0: Craig and Sarah, where are you guys at? You guys want to stand up? Come on up here just for a moment. The marshals are ministering for us in a variety of ways, but specifically, these are the really smart people, okay? <laughs> they translate languages. And they go to another completely different country, to a completely different tribe, and they learn their language, and they begin to translate it into the Word of God so they might have the opportunity to learn what God has to say to them. So I want to hear just a few minutes, a couple of comments from the marshals. I asked them just to share a few thoughts, and you can be encouraged by how God is using them. So what's going on, Craig? What's happening? You know, what's going on? When are you going to believe back? And what's been taking place with this translation process? Yeah, Thanks, Lee. We want to thank you guys first for being part of this ministry, for uh, praying and supporting us. We're in the final, actually a couple of weeks, working with the typesetter to get the Fordata New Testament off to the printer. So we hope that'll happen in the next month. And uh, we're moving on to working, getting the Jesus film done in the three languages that are involved in our foundation. Wow.
1: Sometimes we, you know, this has been a really, really long process. But we really just want to say thank you so much for partnering with us. and in a way we get to it's like we get to partner with what god's doing and we get to stand back and watch what he's doing and sometimes maybe you don't get to see it because you don't get to meet these people in person but for us the real joy is seeing when lives are really touched and the smiles come because god comes close because they can worship him in their own language and all of a sudden god is not foreign and far away in the national language but he's right here Mm. and when One of the things that's been so, so cool in the last, really the last few months, is seeing our teammate, um, Day, she's the only other gal on the team, and we've become very close, but to see her really let God work in her life, and she's just, just recently, she's been telling us, you know, I'm aware that there's been a lot of bitterness, there's been a lot of junk, and I just need to give it over, and let God empower me, and let me just, be friends with these people again. And uh, what a beautiful thing to see God at work, softening hearts, and uh, only God can do that. So thank you so much for what you do coming alongside us so that we can help others to know God and to, to love him and make him known.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Hey, let's give them a hand. Thank you, guys. My goodness, when we talk about the word of God, what we're really talking about is Jesus himself presenting himself through the written language that God provides us with to clarify who he is and what he has done. So this marvelous, marvelous thing takes place as people begin to understand who God is as they read the word of God. Let's pray. Father, today we ask that you'll guide us as we look into this area of Romans. Paul did this marvelous job. Of helping us understand the issues of sin, the issues of mankind, the wonder of your son, what he did for us. How he dealt with the penalty and the power of sin. And today, Lord, I know you're trying to guide us into a better understanding of how we need to respond. The specific steps that we need to take so that you are honored with our lives. That we might worship you not simply with songs, but with actions. Lead us today as we spend this time together recognizing who you are and what you've done. Let your blessing be here. Let your guidance be here. Thank you as you do it, for we ask in your Son's name. Amen. Okay, we're in Romans chapter 12. And for those of you that have been following along, you're going, Pastor, what happened to chapter 11? And you're going, what happened to chapter 11? Chapters 9, 10, and 11 are all three chapters dealing with the issue and the understanding that Israel is still God's nation, called by him to provide clarity in relationship to his promises, and will be used by him in the future. So those three chapters, we walk through it. I dealt with a lot of it, as we did in chapter 9, chapter 10. Pastor Eric dealt with that for a bit. Chapter 11 continues to help us understand how Israel is working, and then he ends with this interesting series of statements. He says this, At the end of chapter 11, at the end of chapter 11, in relationship to uh, who God is and what He has done, you ready? Okay. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments. His past are beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him, through him, and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he finishes up this mystery of Israel as a nation and how God will work through them, trying to help us understand that God's judgments are so incredible, his wisdom is so great, that just as Paul has explained a few things, so everything can be understood and explained as God speaks to us clearly through his revealed word. After doing these 12 chapters, actually 11 chapters, of helping us understand how God works, how we need to work, how we need to respond. Now he starts to get very, very practical. So chapter 12 starts with the essence of practicality as he calls us, commands us, urges us to become what he refers to as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brethren and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Make it holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to know and approve and understand and test what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. The faith that God has distributed to each one of you. So Paul begins with us, backing us up and talking about the fact that we've been reconciled into a relationship with God. That sin itself has been dealt with and God desires to sanctify us. But all this is done by faith in recognition of what Christ has done and also in recognition of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. He goes on to say now, now it's time for some specific sacrifice that needs to take place in your life. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You see, what he's saying is there's. In view of what God has said, in view of the God talk, in view of the word of God itself, you need to respond and begin to act in such a way that you believe what it is that he has said. He's saying it's time to determine what and who you are living for. Once we find ourselves in recognition of what Jesus has done, we are to respond to him in specific ways. And we are to become a living sacrifice. Jesus talked about it in a variety of ways. He talked about, take up your cross and follow me. Build your house upon my word. Live in such a way that others look upon you and see the light of God working in and through your life. So for 11 chapters, we've been talking about the wonder of God. And now he's saying, despite the fact that God's wisdom is unsearchable, if you choose to become a living sacrifice you will see Him working in your life in overwhelming, incredible, and enduring ways. In view of these things, all that God has done, in view of His wisdom and His wonder, become a living sacrifice. That's a reasonable, a logical response to what God has done for you. You see... In order for this to happen, we have to have this eternal perspective. We have to change our perspective from the present to an eternal perspective. I begin to think not just in terms of today and tomorrow and next month and next year. I begin to think of in terms of when my spirit leaves this body, when I go to be with the Lord forever, when I experience that which God allows me to experience in a very small way now, But in a complete way then, I need to prepare myself for that with my life that is down here. I remember watching the 1999, it was a New Year's celebration, New Year's Eve celebration. It was actually taking place in Sydney, Australia. And I was a little bit confused by it until recently when I read exactly what had taken place. You see, they had this incredible fireworks display. And then when the smoke cleared, there was these words on the bridge. And the words were, I don't know if you remember seeing it, were eternity, eternity. And I thought, what's that all about? What are they saying? What do they mean by that? So what we found out is that this was actually a tribute to a very colorful local Sydney man of previous times. whose name was Arthur Stacy. He was converted to Christ back in 1930 from a life of alcoholism. And he became a street evangelist. But he also had a remarkable ability to write and to sign things. He could do calligraphy and a variety of things. And so everywhere he went, he would write the word eternity in chalk on footpaths, on walls, in a variety of areas. And he'd write down the word eternity. You need to live your life in view of eternity. So he wanted to remind everybody that eternity existed that God desired for them to be thinking about it. That He wanted to write eternity on their hearts now, and in everything they do, they need to think of those types of things. That was the declaration that was taking place in Australia in recognition of God's movement in the life of a particular man. In view of God's mercy, all He has done, be a living sacrifice. Begin to talk as God would talk, but use your body to do it. It's very interesting that he doesn't immediately go to soul or spirit. He specifically works in the area. He says, let your body become a living sacrifice. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Of course, the difficulty about being a living sacrifice is we keep crawling off the altar, right? That's my struggle. I say, Lord, take me later, you know. And and that's the struggle. And and we go, you know what, I really want you to use me, but today I've got some things going on. We don't say it that way, but that's what comes out. A living sacrifice. Um, Your body always goes wherever you go. You can't leave home without it. And he's saying, I want your body, where you go, when you speak, when you interact, to be a living sacrifice, declaring God's presence and his power. People often talk to me and they say, you know, how can I know God's will in this life? And I say, you need to do the same thing every day. Same thing every day. And they're like, what do you mean? So let me give you a for instance. Every morning, my wife and I get up every morning between 5.30 and 6 o'clock. And between the time we get up for one hour, we spend that time simply reading God's Word, letting God speak to us, and listening for His direction for the day. Every single day. Same thing. Same thing. Every morning, a living sacrifice says, Okay, Lord, I'm here. Show me what to do. I stop my life. I look to God, and I listen to what he has to say every single day. If you will do that every single day, God will honor you and you will experience marvelous things that God will do in and through you. That's called becoming a living sacrifice. You've got to start. You've got to start with a declaration to God and ask him to speak and he will consistently, regularly, all the time. You have to say, Lord, what do you want to do with my time today? What do you want to do with my talents today? What do you want to do with my treasure today? And if he doesn't speak right then, in about two or three hours, while you're walking in a different direction in some way or matter, God will speak to you clearly and say, you need to do this. And you have to decide, will I be a living sacrifice or not? God calls us to become a living sacrifice. One that's holy and pleasing, set apart to please God. That's all that means. Holy, set apart to please God. A living sacrifice set apart to please God for his use. I don't please myself necessarily. Oftentimes I do. And God is pleased with that. But there's other times when God says, Lee, you need to do this. And I say, I don't want to do that, Lord. I don't want to care for that situation. I don't want to take care of that trash situation. I don't want to do this. The Lord says, will you please me or please you? And then we make a choice. A living sacrifice says, Lord, I will please you. Paul's life is a living sacrifice. Just read through the book of Acts. You'll see Paul over and over and over again. Until our cry becomes every morning, Lord, make my life a living sacrifice holy, and acceptable to you. As we do that, we begin to hear our spirit talk to God's spirit. There's this wondrous, incredible, glorious thing. Not my brains, but my spirit. You see, the brain, like the heart and all these other things, is a function of our body that takes place that will all go away. My brain will die, my heart will die, My body will, everything will just go away. But my spirit lives forever. And that spirit presently speaks to God on a regular basis. He uses my body to speak as I'm speaking to you now. He uses my brain in specific ways to understand certain things. But it is outside of that that my spirit exists. And is speaking on a regular basis to God. And God is saying, I want to speak spirit to spirit to you. And as you become a living sacrifice for God, then this body becomes something that's simply used for God. My spirit speaks to His spirit, and we find ourselves being changed, is how it puts it in 2 Corinthians. As we gaze upon Him, we find ourselves being transformed, changed into the very person that God desires for us to be. And this is true worship. It's spirit talking to spirit. We're in here and we're singing, and this is wonderful. We're singing and worshiping God with these variety of words that are put on the screen and we've got a band trying to help us out with the instruments so that there's a stirring testimony going on. We're singing away. And periodically what happens from time to time as you push yourself you'll suddenly find yourself connecting with God's Spirit. Something will happen. and You go, oh, that was cool. It doesn't happen on every song. It doesn't happen throughout any song. It just keeps happening here and there and here and there. And what is going on is my spirit suddenly connects with God's spirit. There's a truism takes place. And we get this aha moment. Have you ever been singing a song as you're singing to God and you're trying to be pleasing to him, you're trying to respond to him, and suddenly these words are there that you've looked at, I hate to admit this, because I'm getting old thousands of times and I suddenly go I get it I just got it I feel so foolish I just got it and I'm shaking my head see the reason I find so many of us who are getting older that like hymns say oh we love this hymn the young people are going really? you like that? here's really why we like it we got this aha moment it suddenly clicked. It took us twenty years. I'm teasing. That was funny. But it didn't take us twenty years, but to get the whole thing, it just keeps on going. It's this wondrous declaration of the doctrine of God, and it suddenly happens. What we have with all these songs that are here, as you sing them, as you declare them, suddenly something will click, and God will speak to your spirit. As you speak to his spirit. And you'll experience what he calls true worship. This is your true and proper worship. This is a true response to God. You're experiencing true worship. Just for a moment. Just for a moment. And it's all a mixture. Not just the singing. It's the action that took place before you came in. It's all of life that's been taking place. And suddenly it's culminated in this corporate gathering. And we sing to God and God... Speaks to us and says, "Bah!" And you go, "Oh my goodness, that was so amazing." Sometimes it happens during the sermon. (laughs) So you're saying, "Yeah, sometimes, Pastor Lee." (laughs) And we experience worship. It's this wondrous, glorious spirit touched to God that says, "I understand you. I, I get it. I." I love you. Wow. This is so outside of earthly. It's so cosmic, wonderful. That's what he's speaking about. That's why he says becoming a living sacrifice is a spiritual service of worship. It's, it's a logical, logitos is the, is the word he use that we get the word logical from. It's logical response to what God has done. Latruo is the word for service. It actually comes from the idea of priestly service. So if you went back to Septuagint, the word was used in relationship to the priests when they would do priestly duties. So they'd be doing the offerings, they'd be involved in a variety of these other things. When they would do that, it was called they were latruoing. And that meant they were serving God through the spiritual manner. And that's what he's saying. This is your your response of service. This is a worshipful service to God. It's a logical response of worship to God. We're serving Him with our mouths. We're serving Him with our hands. We're serving Him with our feet. It's a living sacrifice. It's not a dead one. It's a living sacrifice. It's not just my offering. It's a living sacrifice. It's me personally saying, God, I walked because I want to hear you. I hold my hands up because I want to feel you. I cry out to you because I want to hear you. It's a living sacrifice in response to what God has done. It's not the music. The songs that are played It's not the giving. It's all these things combined. And as we do all these things on a consistent basis, day in and day out, we will encounter day in and day out the wonder of God in our lives. And if you don't, then your encounter of God will be on an inconsistent basis. But if you choose to make yourself a living sacrifice to Him, you will consistently, regularly encounter God, even in garage sales. Ask Gary (laughs) Warden. Maybe not. You see, we acknowledge the role of God in our lives. So we put ourselves in submission to his plans, to his will, to his calling. And we say, Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. Take my life. Use it. Make a difference with me. When we talk about this idea of sacrifice, I said to myself, how can we clarify this thing of sacrifice? I was, I was watching some movies in relationship to it. It's called We Were Soldiers. And it talks about the sacrifice that various men and women make and giving themselves to us to, to declare our freedom, being involved in this fight that takes the lives of many of them. I thought, well, that, that, that's one of them. But as I worked through it more and more, I said, you know, the one I, I keep seeing and every time I see it, I see it over and over again. Uh, it comes out of World War II where we had the horror of the Holocaust. And yet in the midst of that, we had this incredible set of heroes from Diedrich Bonhoeffer who gave his life in declaration of who God was and how he wanted to work to interesting men like Oskar Schindler who was a German industrialist. He wasn't a Jew. He was a German industrialist. And for some odd reason that nobody's ever fully comprehended, he gave millions and millions of dollars to try and save the lives of the Jewish people, getting them involved and in working in his factories. And he ended up saving over 7,000 Jewish lives in the midst of this Holocaust. And as I look at this little section of, of movie, it says to me, a living sacrifice. Let's watch it. <laughs>
1: Whoever saves one less. idea if I just generations because of what you did I didn't do enough you did so much this car good what about this car why did I keep the car Ten people right there people and more people, this pin, two people, this is gold, two more people, you would have given me two for it. at least one, you would have given me one, one more, one more person, for this I could have gone one more person and I didn't
0: A living sacrifice. It's very interesting to me that the more that we find ourselves giving to God, the more the cry of our heart and soul and spirit says, if just I would have given a bit more, just a bit more, I could have. Because we begin to see things as they were meant to be seen. We begin to see people as they were meant to be seen, as they were meant to be understood. A living sacrifice. Then he goes on to say, don't be conformed to this world's thinking that doesn't understand the wonder of life, that doesn't understand who I am or what I'm about. Don't be conformed to this world's system. Instead, be transformed by this renewing, a renewing of your mind, this incredible, wondrous, glorious experience that only I can provide for those who choose to become a what? Living sacrifice. A living—it's costly to be a living sacrifice. It's not cheap, and there's not too many who choose to be a living sacrifice. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be involved in this transformation—this glorious, incredible, wonderful transformation. Don't be caught up in the schemes of this world. The word here is "schematizo," and it means to. To be involved in the, in the schemes, it's the schemes of this world. So it's talking about, don't be conformed to the schemes of this world, the, the structure and the ideas, the, the wrong thinking that this world is caught up in because it's corrupted. And Satan continues to lead and to guide it. You should expect that kind of thinking. You should expect that. It's this floating mass of ungodly ideas and behavior that are separated and hostile to the will and the word of God. You can't worship if you're always being molded and stamped into the image of this world. Uh, John said, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If your whole affection and love is towards this world and this system and all that it provides for us, and calls us to, then you cannot experience the wonder, the transforming movement of God in your life. You need to know God's will versus the world's will. Yes, there's a will of the world, just as there's a will of God. That's why Jesus tries to put it against. We pray, God, let your will be done, not this world's will. Allow your wonder to be seen. Don't be conformed to this age It's not even cosmos here. It's aeon. It means the age. And it's speaking of something that continues to change. So we have a completely different confirmation today than we did, which was taking place in in Paul's day with Rome. Our world has a completely different calling to be conformed to. What is it calling you, pushing you to be conformed to? See, it's an instrument that's against God's desire. The spirit of this age, I, I, I began to look. I was hearing a while back another pastor was sharing. He said, The, the spirit of this world is one of, of ego and selfishness. We are one narcissistic society, aren't we? We now have selfies. I watch everybody taking pictures of themselves. How does that look? You know? you know, my wife takes a picture of me. I go, Oh, no, erase that one. That doesn't look very good. I can look cuter if you do it this way. Okay. Uh. Uh, we are so... Facebook. Oh my goodness. It's, starting to... it's all about who? Me. And we put down all this stuff about me, me, me. It's incredible. That's this age. That's this age. Don't be conformed to this world and to this age. No, God's will versus this world's Will. See the patterns. It's all me and mine. And Paul says, Stop it. Stop conforming. In other words, the tendency is for us to conform. That's the natural thing for us to do. We dress this way, we walk this way, we talk this way. We want to be accepted. We put a little sign on us Please accept me. Please accept me. And our world says, Well, if you wear certain things, then okay. And if you have so much money, then okay. And if you drive this car, okay. We say, why are we doing what we're doing? It's interesting that the, this, this scheme or this outward expression that doesn't reflect an inward reality. Another way to, to translate would be, the, don't put on the masquerade. So it's a picture of the schemes that don't don't masquerade like the world is masquerading, a false mask putting on to try and appear to be something other than you are. And you find yourself going, Oh, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. But that's not really who you are at all. It says, Don't do that. Don't masquerade wearing the spirit of this age. It's inconsistent with who is in, within you. Don't wear the mask of this world. Instead, assume an outward expression of God's presence in your life. That which is from within. It's being regenerated. And we're experiencing this wonder. Be transformed. Metamorphosed. Finding ourselves from the inside out, becoming something that we weren't before, as we gaze into God's eyes and we listen to His voice and we spend that time on a regular basis, He transforms us. We become a living sacrifice for Him. And so 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, As we continue to gaze onto Him and He to us, we find ourselves being changed into the very image of God Himself. You see, when I sing this music, the music isn't changing me. The music is giving me a chance to express the change. That's what's going on. A living sacrifice. We want to know His will so we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And we know His will, we're filled with the knowledge of His will as we study His word. And that's why the marshals go all over the world to try to share with people, here is God's word. And they're desperate to hear what God has to say. And we've got it all right here with us. And we're kind of like, well, you know, I don't know if I have time this morning or not. And I go, guys, living sacrifice. Conviction followed by affection. And view of God's mercy, which comes from His wisdom. How unthinkable, how unsearchable the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He is not my servant, but He's always serving me. We're called to be a living sacrifice. So we worship. You see, that's what's going on. So we worship. This transformation takes place. And we're brought into the presence of God. And we find ourselves shining the light of God, crying out with our lives, trying desperately. Because sometimes that's what I feel like I'm doing here. I'm crying out, God, please come. I make a fool of myself sometimes. I go, oh, Lee. But I don't care. I want desperately to encounter God in my time of singing. If i got to jump up and down, I'll jump up and down. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I just say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. And He does. And He does. Over and over and over again. And that's the cry today. Today we're going to share in this special time, recognizing the sacrifice of Christ himself, a living sacrifice, where he chose to give of his life and pour out his blood so that others might have forgiveness and hope and the penalty of sin might be done away with and the power of God might be able to be present within our lives. That's what we're doing today as we share in this wondrous declaration of what God has done and who God is. You see, that's kind of like the final picture of, of worship. When I talk about why do we sing. You see, we get together with all these people. And we finally get to all together sing the same song. And we share the same truth. Each one of us declare, God, you are here and you're moving and you're working in me and in you. And it pulls us together. Because of the sacrifice that was made. And he says, you need to make a sacrifice as well. A living sacrifice. And that's what we're saying. We come here to share on this special time. We recognize what he's done for us. And we join together. And say, Lord, take my life. Make it a living sacrifice for you. Transform me. Change me. Think about it. Think about it. That's what God is saying over and over. Think about it. It's a living sacrifice. We worship. We think renewal. We think change. Lord, change me today. Change me. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask a couple of our elders to come down here. Uh, Gary, you want to come up with with Sherry over here on the right? I got over here on the left. I'm looking for somebody. John, you want to come down and take the the left side? Say, which John? It's John Jerzak because he's the only John here. (laughs) John, you want to just take the top one up there? Great, you're already up there. So John will take the top one. Uh, Let's see who I got down here. Yes, yes, Don. Would you take this one? That'd be great. Okay, let's pray as we prepare ourselves to share in this marvelous declaration where we're saying this. And this is what I want you to say to yourself as you come up here. Say, I want you to be saying these words. Lord, make my life a living sacrifice. Lord, make my life a living sacrifice. Father, we come to you today and we ask That you might somehow undo us with the same spirit. That you somehow endued Oscar Schindler. Not a Jew. Somebody outside who was a struggling person. Messed up in so many ways. And yet, he gave everything he had to save a few. And we ask that you would take our lives and make them living sacrifices. Transform us. We're just too selfish. I'm too selfish. Help us to see you. And be changed into your likeness. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. can come down to the right.